<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Bob Dadville, we this is a real this is a real joy today. Um, we've got Bobby G, the uh, OG mischief maker, Bob Goff with us today. This is rocking the the Boston hat. Which if you didn't have that on, I'm going to be honest with you, I was going to be a little sad, Bob. This is every day, right? This hat. Yeah, yeah making it good on my deal with Carol. I Even when that. the Red Sox won the the uh, uh, World <laughs> Series, I literally went to her grave. Uh, and I've like said out loud, I'm like, Carol, can I stop wearing this stupid hat? Because I, I go to New York and people hiss at me. Uh, yeah, I'm right. Like, I've you got to watch where you, the where Yankees. you go. And if they knew I was wearing my dead neighbor's hat, uh, like they yeah. would feel bad. Well, I don't know. In New York, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They would. They would probably like you less. They're like, dude, you don't yeah, have to like, do this whatever. anymore. <laughs> well, the thing that I love about that story too is that if you just wear one, it's that fashion thing. If you wear one thing long enough, it's going to work. And you just sort of timed your wearing it to where they won the series, and you're like, well, I look like a genius. This right. is like if I, I stick to this hat. <laughs> I was yeah. before my time. Yeah. Somebody oh said, gosh. "Does that sound for the Bengals?" I'm like, if it means the Bengals to you, then that's what it <laughs> yeah. means to me. Yeah, I know my fan. only sport is cheesecake. 
Like, I don't know anything <laughs> about anything. <laughs> Bob, that is a sport. If you need a side man or whatever your sport has that is like the other person that plays it, I will gladly play oh, cheesecake yeah. sport. You're with looking oh, yeah. for like a I'd manager. I play cheesecake with you guys all day long. <laughs> I teach at San Quentin, and uh, there's a guy in there. His name is Chris, and Chris doesn't like prison food, which is really a mm. problem if you're in there for life. <laughs> Um, uh, and so what he's done is they call him Chef Chris. He makes his own food. Isn't that awesome? And you, what do you mean you, he makes his own yeah, food? Yeah, you actually don't get to, but he's figured a way out a way to game it. Uh, and so the day I went, he'd had quesadillas, and the day before, pulled pork and all that. I asked Chris, what's the most awesome thing you've ever made in your jail cell? Now, this jail cell is five and a half feet wide. And nine and a half feet long. There's two dudes in there, both rocking 240. Um, Jeez. A, a bunk bed, a toilet, a sink, and everything both of them own. And he's making food. And it brought to mind every scary movie where, you know, the prison, there's a fire and they're locked in the cell. And well, Chris, he said, the coolest thing I've ever made is cheesecake. I'm like, you made a cheesecake in a 120-year-old cell in San Quentin. you got to tell me how. And he wrote it out longhand, like the recipe. First thing you got to steal is five sticky buns. <laughs> but he's got a hookup in the prison mess. He gets those. And then you need a cup of butter. And so all of his friends get their those little squares of butter. It's no. a little nasty, but they take it no off their way. plate. They go to Chris's cell and give him their butter. Um, you need to have two cups of cream cheese. And his friends there that get bagels and cream cheese, uh, you can buy seven cream cheese shooters, you know, those ones yeah, yeah, like yeah. at the airport. Uh, for, uh, 14 of those makes two cups. Uh, and once you have the sticky buns you bought, cup of sugar, cup of butter, uh, then you mold the cream cheese. There's no utensils because you'll shank somebody. So you mold it with your hand, and it's a little nasty. Um, and the last thing you do, you have to chill it. And so all of his friends, all of my friends, uh, take the ice out of their cup in the prison, and they run to Chris's cell as quickly as they can, and they ice it. And they just delight in helping him. And everything doesn't need to be a Bible verse, but there's a verse in Second Peter that says that God has given us everything that we need to lead mm. godly lives, mm. like to lead these meaningful lives. And what he's given Chris is a community of people. Mm. Um, and yeah. I think that that is what you're creating in the podcast. Community yeah. people, and you each pitch in. It's that kid's story of stone soup. You just everybody <laughs> throws in what they got. Yeah. yeah, that that is very kind of you to say. I, I, I so wish we were. What what happens when the cheesecake is done? Do yeah, all gets fifty a people get a get a yeah, tiny yeah. little everybody bit? Everybody gets a little, just a little taste. Yep, oh, isn't that, that is, cute? That is yeah. amazing. And it everybody's is. just like delights in it. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Chef Chris the most, and so I uh, sent a note off to his daughter. I said I was Aww. with your dad today, and. This is what he told me to tell you. And oh, I just gosh. think there's just been something really. Those guys haven't learned a thing from me, but I learn a ton every time mm -hmm. I go. Every three or four weeks, I'm up there. God, that's, that's so cool. really cool. Okay, we, we, Bob, we came in too hot. We got to go backwards, okay? <laughs> you just Slow came in like down. screaming. And we got to, yeah, we got to go back and tell. We just got to give. We, we have this little part that we call the brag sheet. And yours is, of course, humbly very, very short, which is like a little annoying, but 
I know it was probably like good for you. Does it just say sweet Maria's husband? Cause that that, no, that's it. too short. No, that's, I know that's all <laughs> that's your humility right wants to let you have. So, so let me, let me, um, for those who don't know who Bob Goff is, this is your little brag sheet, Bob. So buckle up Disneyland office resident, which we talked about a, a little bit very at the top there recovering lawyer, <laughs> which <laughs> New York times, bestselling author, nonprofit founder, Mr. Chief balloon inflator, I mean, we got to talk about all this stuff. Motivational speaker. These are all titles that describe Bobby G, as we call him here in the streets in Nashville, who's also known for printing his real cell phone number in his first published book, which is true. Turned New York Times bestseller, Love Does, sold over 2 million copies, and he gave all the money away, which is, again, just this is huge applause from Nashville. A recognized lawyer for over 25 years, he left all that behind to become the honorary consul. That is, uh, yeah, consul is short for that, I'm assuming. To Uganda and found Love Does in 2001, his international nonprofit that pursues justice for children in high conflict areas such as Uganda, Somalia, Afghanistan, Nepal, and India. Um, I mean, okay, so Bob, we, we always ask, we always start um, with asking this question, like what would 15-year-old Bob, uh, little Bobby G, just just out there living his life, what would he, he what would he think if I read that to him? If I said, someday this is going to be you. Like what does, he, what does he think and feel when he hears that? Yeah, if, uh, little Bobby G, even like at eight years old, he would be so insecure that it would probably represent so much activity that he had numbed out all of his insecurities by just being busy. Like, so yeah, that's yeah, it. Like, we all, yeah. like, cope with things. Um, uh, we would figure out, like, uh, there would be, like, the story that I'd come up with for my life is that um, I'll be rejected. Like I will be yeah. rejected eventually yeah. by mm -hmm. everyone. And so then the rule that I made would have been don't go deep with anybody. Uh, why? Wow. Because right. the story is you'll be rejected. And then you say the behaviors, a ton of activity and just be funny. And wow. so if you're a, so you deal with a story mm. that you made up mm. and then the rules you made up and then the behaviors all that stuff you read, it's just somebody who's super insecure, mm. uh, not looking for validation or approval. Mm. And if you want applause, join the circus. Um, but I would say the um, it would be just dealing with my own securities by being super active. Mm. Uh, and I've got a lot of energy anyway. I think we're all, yeah, yeah. you know, the three of us are yeah, wired yeah. that way. We have a bias towards right, activity. Right. But I would say 15, <laughs> I would say. Bias toward That sounds like something a doctor told you once. Yeah. No. You know, Bob, we've looked at your scans, and you have a bias toward activity. Does yes. that sound right? See, see the lump that? here where your brain was supposed to be? That is just a <laughs> That's bias. another heart. Yeah, you just have two hearts, and then they're both <laughs> pumping, giving lots of energy and blood to the rest of your but body. But I'm also um, I'm incredibly emotionally incontinent. I mean, I just cry at everything, mm. um, which is really a problem if you're a trial lawyer. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> like, Judge, does anybody have a hanky? Um, so uh, to for each of us, the people listening, to just say, you know, why do I do what I do? It's just great to say, what is that connected to? Because uh, everything's connected to something. And to say, yeah. what's that, all, all yeah. the activity connected to? It's like a probably, and it, it isn't, there's no shame involved. In it. It's just understanding right. Right. so that right. we can talk to that mm -hmm. person, 63-year-old yeah. Bobby Goff, and yeah. to say, hey, listen, let's talk about 73. What does that mm -hmm. look like? And so what are yeah. some of the things that you'll want to change and settle down and understand 
so that you could roll into that and find the kind of purpose that would actually outlast you. Um, yeah. That's why I write books. Like I yeah. just, I find yeah. it very tedious, but it's someday going to end up in a jar and I just want to have something leaning up against it. <laughs> just say, <laughs> this well, you is know, what Bob thought about everything. I, I have to tell people, as John and I were sort of prepping for this time hanging in the podcast, we were, we were talking about how long I've known you. And it's funny because, you know, the legend of Bob Goff is, is a pretty, um, it's almost fol folklore at this point. And what's so funny to me is that I'm, I'm so glad that you have now entered the public space because you were just this legend that, it, people had brushes with you and it was like this you got to meet this guy and so I remember being in Nashville and Brandon Heath you know telling me like oh you got to meet Bob my friend out in San Diego and and then I started meeting more people like oh dude you know Bob you should spend some time with Bob and it was just this like it just it was like this this uh uh low hum that just started to gather steam and and, and then I remember meeting you and it just being this like like you telling these stories and Brandon would tell me these stories and then meeting you was just like, oh my gosh, this is one of the most unique people I've ever met in my life. Like it was like, you know, it was like, there's like, you know, BG and AG there's before, you know, golf and after golf. <laughs> and I remember that was at Humphreys. You yes, were playing there. Yes. 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 Yeah, we used to sneak over there uh, cause it's too expensive <laughs> to buy a ticket, uh, but you could kayak over. Yes. And, uh, yes. We would like yeah. ride our little kayaks over, you know, where all the kayaks sit over the yes. seats. Like you just yeah. sit, but you can get within 20 feet yeah, of the yeah. stage. Yeah. 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 And I remember that, but it's so funny now. One of the things that's been so fun is seeing how, you know, one, just knowing your crazy story and these amazing things that, you know, you've done with your life and with your kids, which I can't wait to sort of get to that part of this, especially this being Davville. But it's so fun to see that people, you know, it's like the secret got out. Like everybody that knew Bob, now it's like a lot of people know Bob, which is so fun because it was like for a while it kind of felt like there was a there was like a cr crew of us that were like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, no, I know Bob. He's, he's my friend. Like, you know, and now it's like, <laughs> you know, the book you know, comes out. It was just like everywhere. It just felt like. You know, like. it's really interesting for all of us uh, that we have uh, the people that are acquainted with you or your music or, you know, whatever it is that you're known for. But if you take away what you're known for. Uh, like if you're a trial or you know, take away the trial or if you're an author mm -hmm. or a musician, take away what you're known for. Whatever's left is who you are. And wow. so that's just a great kind of a great way to recalibrate constantly. Take away what you're known for. Whatever's left is who you are. And I'd like to be not a caricature of mm -hmm. myself. So if I'm always Bob, the balloon guy then I would show up somewhere and I need to be Bob the Balloon Guy instead of saying, like, my favorite cow died, like, two days ago in my arms, mm. in my lap. And I was, like, sitting there weeping. I've got this cow. And my, I don't know how to be a farmer, but it was one of those uh, uh, Scottish Highlands, you know, the oh, fuzzy. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, They've got yeah, bangs. Yeah. And the vet mm -hmm. said it was really sick. And... And so I went out and I had his little head in my lap oh, and it wow. breathed its last. And I'm just like good crying. And one of the guys, one of the hands over at the barn came over and said, can I give it CPR? 
I mean, wait, uh, this is a 900-pound cow, and he weighs less than two bags of chips. And, I mean, which is such a nice thing. Is I'm like, I from the looks of things, I think not. Uh, and we respectfully dug a like, really big hole uh, and put hmm. the cow in the hole. And then I had to explain to this dear little nine-year-old, that's her favorite <gasps> cow, too, that oh, I said... No. You know, the cow has died, and uh, she's with Jesus now. I don't know if I got the theology right, but <laughs> sue me. Sure. And so sure. Uh, <laughs> she had a service with her Bible, and she oh. stood there, and she said, that was a good cow. And I'm like, <laughs> amen. <laughs> and I realized, you know, I'm going to eventually be that cow. And so... <laughs> I think there's something to be said for being spoken well of at the city gates um, yeah. to have a good reputation, all the proverbs mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, even more to be authentic, um, yeah. to just be yeah. not a caricature of who everybody thinks you are, nor be the average of the three most insecure friends you have. Because yeah. that's what some people <laughs> deal with that, too, that they're yeah, averaging out the three people that are ricocheting around them and then they start being like them. And yeah. um, I think there's uh, not increased pressure in Nashville, but it certainly can be palpable. I bet mm -hmm. uh, in the circles that you guys would be in from time to time and even, you know, moms comparing right. notes. So I'm really right. glad that you're doing this podcast with people. I know it's really important and really grounding. Well, yeah, thanks. speaking of who you really are, Bob, you know, I this is our first time meeting other than we ha we had a brief uh, text exchange when I released my song Sweet Maria and you texted oh, me. Oh, I remember Of course, that. immediately, as you should, because your wife goes by Sweet Maria. Yeah, totally. Um, but I, I mean, I've known of you, but like Dave said, like there has been, you know, this this sort of legend of Bob Goff. And, you know, I have been an, an admirer from a distance, reading your books, all that kind of stuff. And I like you. I like oh, man, you. Thank you. You, I you are that. a, you. you have always struck me as someone who has something, right? And this sounds cheesy, but it, but it's true. Like you have something that I want. I think you have something that people want to get more of. You just have always struck mm. me and many, many other people as someone who you're like, I think the, you know, the world would be better off with more of those kinds of people hmm. on the planet. Hmm. So, uh, and there's a question that goes along with this praise. <laughs> I'm wondering, because as you're saying, like, you know, if you take the musician, you take the music away from John McLaughlin, no, no pianos, no songs, who is, you know, I would go through some sort of a crisis for sure for a while. Hopefully I'd come out of it, but that would be big for me you take the trial lawyer away from Bob Goff. But as someone who has been an admirer of you for a long time, I think, well, I think what I would say about Bob Goff from my view is it's this persona that you have. It's, it's almost the, the way that you make people feel. That's what I think is your thing. So my question to you is, is are you aware that that's your perception and uh and does it ever feel like a weight to mm -hmm. carry that sort of keeping that up you know what i mean yeah we uh in a different way there feels like a responsibility that goes with that it just say there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that say i want to be like jesus and that's a 
beautiful uh, thing to put a target around. But when you really drill down on that, the outstanding characteristic that came to me, and it's not for everybody, uh, is availability. So mm. just be, I'm never the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the smartest guy on this call. Uh, but to say I could be the most available guy. Uh, mm. And so so the idea of making my cell phone number available and fielding calls and then to say with each experience, is there a way I can show up and walk away with a little bit more empathy? A little bit. There was a woman that called last week and she said, uh, the devil's in my bathroom. I, and I, I was thinking of myself in my thought bubble. I'm like, I've had teenagers too. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I, 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 I held off from saying like, you know, number one or number two. But I said, don't you think the devil's actually in your bathroom? And she said, I do. And I said, who's your best friend? And she said, Mary. I said, what if you give Mary, put the phone down, give Mary a call and have her come over. Um, and it just seemed like we only had a moment together. But instead of being saying something snarky or something, mm. whatever, but to have like compassion, and that, that would be really troubling if I actually thought Satan was uh, in my bathroom. Mm. Um, and so maybe to make sure that you could just show up as best you can, as authentically as you can. The problem that I have is that I don't want to be a buzzkill. So mm. later that day, after the cow died in my arms, somebody said, how are you? And what did I say? Mm. Fine. fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not fine. Mm. The, my cow died in my arms that day. And it wasn't that I wanted to be fake or less than authentic. I just felt like they were being polite and I wanted to be polite. And so to be known by at least a few people really well, we have some common friends back in your beautiful city that uh, I just feel like I can be fully known by them. Mm. And I could just say, mm. you know, the cow died um, or to say I'm yeah. confused. And sometimes there's a temptation to put a bow on it, you know, mm -hmm. but to just then say, well, but Jesus is coming back. So it's all great. No, it's not <laughs> great. My freaking cow died. Um, and, right. uh, and you may have lied so, to a little girl. Yeah. And I lied <laughs> to a girl and now our theology is all a mess. And um, so what I want to do is not get, um, always constantly in this existential crisis of how vulnerable should I be and all that. But you say, I want to be known by a few people really well. Mm -hmm. I want to be available to everybody. Uh, and I want to be authentic. And I want to mm -hmm. bend towards authenticity where uh, the, the opportunity presents itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and instead of fostering a caricature of who I am, just be like for real. And then I'm constantly changing. Put that over, that overlay. Yeah. I think some of yeah, the yeah. people... I think you guys would decide that too. That that in, I thought I was providing for my family by doing all this stuff, and it turns out I wasn't providing what they need, which was me. Mm. And I, so what mm. they got is activity, Bob, action figure, Bob. Um, and I really had to do my own intervention. Uh, I walked mm. in. I remember getting off the elevator in the 17th floor of the Washington Mutual Tower. I was commuting from San Diego to Seattle every day. I would. Flew up in the morning at 6.20 in the morning, and I flew home for supper for a quarter of a century. Like, so it wasn't just the odd trip. Oh so that gosh. is weird. That's wow. activity, Bob. And I remember getting off the elevator, and I walked to the receptionist, and she said, who are you here to see? 
I'm like, oh, actually, that's my name right behind you. And I realized that I hadn't been, while I was flying up there and going to court and taking depositions and all that as a lawyer, uh, I hadn't been to my office in almost a year. And uh, so I got everybody together in the conference room. It was a Thursday, and I quit things on Thursday. Got everybody together, and I quit. I took the key off the ring. Uh, and I gave it to this guy that worked for me for a decade. I said, it's all yours, man. You don't owe me a thing. <laughs> he said, are you kidding me? Actually, he didn't say kidding, but that's what he meant. And uh, <laughs> I just went full Cortez. I just burned the ships. And there's something, while it's a stupid economic move, it was a great new creation move. So I think that some people listening right now might be, uh, it was the perfect job you had the time you got it, but you've changed. And the job yeah. didn't. So yeah. every job mm-hmm. I've ever gotten, on the first day, I write my resignation letter. I address it to my new boss. I put a stamp on it. I give it to Sweet Maria. I tell her, if this job gets in the way of me and you or me and Jesus, mail that Jeez thing in. Louise. You don't even need to tell me. I'll find out. Wow. And there's something really beautiful about giving that kind of agency to the people. Now, the those of you listening, that that makes you uptight, that makes me think you need to really write that letter. Because whatever right. you go right. like, oh, crap, like my spouse is going to send that in right now. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think that's worth a conversation. How did you how did you get there? Like, what was it? What were the things that you noticed or the conversations you had that sort of alerted you to like this is i need to think about this you know yeah you get four thousand weeks maybe maybe 4100 if you eat a lot of broccoli but you get like four and 3800 if you eat a lot of pop tarts but like that's about what you get and so i want to say what am i doing with the time what am i going to do with the time that i have left like what will be the high values for me and i just decided one high value would be just a ridiculous amount of availability. Um, and then the other high value would be I want to be famous not with strangers but with my family. Mm. Um, and so I want to be famous with my grandkids. I got three of mm. them. One's about to pop out. Um, and I just want to be famous with them, and that means be available. And so what does that point towards? Young Life put a camp up for sale, which is – uh, which surprised me, and uh, they put it up for sale at one. I bought it at two, and I mm. just said, "We're going to make a place. I'm throwing the party here, and then we'll just invite everybody. You know, everybody, everybody, whatever. Even if their beliefs don't line up with mine. The only people we said no to was a nudist colony, mm, uh, and I'm like, actually, there's some things you just can't unsee, and <laughs> I just yeah. like you yeah. got to put some cloth between your bum and that <laughs> leather couch." <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to have everybody feel welcome and get what they need. Some people yeah. need to shot in the arm in their faith. Others just need some, you know, a fillet of salmon. <laughs> like they just, yeah. but just get what you need. <laughs> There's no such thing as a corn dog. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> That's amazing. So, so one of the things um, I, I want to talk about you and your kids and the adventures because I think that's great. But w- one of the things I was curious about, um, and you kind of spoke to this, but you know, you have all these books, and and it's so and it's so fun to see you writing and taking the time to put all these thoughts down because that's something I've always known about you that I think is one of the most unique things about you is you always just kind of have these 
you just always are thinking about things. And so it's always, it's always fun to sit and just hear you talk because there's, you'll say something. I think, Oh, I've never thought of that that way. But so it's fun to see you put these things there, but you know, and the new one is undistracted, which is, I can't think of a word that would describe me less than undistracted. But you know, it, when you think of your books, is there, do you feel like there's an overarching theme that, that you're the most passionate about that connects them all? Because uh, they yeah. can just be individual thoughts, but do you feel like there's like something you're like, man, if I'm trying to really communicate one thing with all these, this is it. Yeah, totally. Like when Love Does came out, uh, that was a friend of mine wrote a book called Love Wins, and people just lost their minds. <laughs> they were arguing about Bible verses and all that, and uh, he was flat wrong, but I just didn't want to like argue about things, so I pulled all the Bible verses out. I write books for the guy at the tire store. Wow. I'm not writing a book for somebody in seminary. And I think there's other people that are, and yeah. that's terrific. Um, but I just know who's sitting in the chair. I want somebody who is church adjacent. Um, yeah. They're not mad at the church. I mean, what they're to be mad about, it's a bunch of bricks and a good-looking steeple. Right. Um, but they just don't like the people. They don't understand the people that go to the church. Right. And so I wanted to write a book. So Love Does was like, let's get a puppy. Um <laughs> Then everybody always is, how do you get along with people who creep you out? And then I realized I'm the guy that creeps people out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm talking about me here. And I go like, so getting along with that Matthew 5, like love your enemies. And and so that was like, let's train the puppy. Yeah. Uh, And then I wrote a devotional, Live in Grace, Walk in Love. That was like, let's train the master. Yeah. And then Dream Big was like, let's have him people who understand their ambitions and want to go after them. Wow. And then undistracted is, can we get after our vision? Some of us are so distracted by what's going on around us, we never take a time to understand what's going on within us. Hmm. Like we defer like uh, agony, we defer grieving, we defer things. I get it. I, I'm a seven. I'm a flaming seven on the Enneagram. Yeah. Like sad is like kryptonite for yeah, me. But I right. just go like that became a distraction for me. So I want to go back, understand the stories I told, mm-hmm. understand the rules I made, see the behaviors. And this is, I wouldn't be equipped to deal with the psychology of it, but to to just say what are some of the things that we're asking for permission to do with our lives that we already have permission to do. Yeah, so that has been like the evolution of thought. <laughs> Man, Dave, I want to give a shout out. And when I give a shout out, I always laugh because it just brings me so much joy to give a shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with free samples. You know it, John. This time of year, my allergies are in fuego. They're Mm -hmm. always on the attack, but I use this and you should too. Oh, I do, Dave. Every day in our house. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, which is is me raising my hand, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill to relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure 
with ease. John, I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for a long time, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go for a run without my eyes watering. I may be crying, but it's not sure, from allergies. Totally different. And I can sing without feeling like I have a fr- like a big old, let's not even call it a frog. It's a, it's like a toad. It's like a family of toads. It's a family. It's a turtle. Yeah. In my so you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? Yeah, me. I it's know. time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Dave. Uh, yes. Why'd you hesitate? I don't know. I, just I bet I know why. What? You haven't had your coffee. Yet. Gosh! Is there anything Ugh. better than that first sip of coffee in the morning? Oh, I go to bed man. every night yeah. thinking about my yeah. first sip. The next For day. me, it's the first breath of knowing that I'm alive. But let me tell you a close second, waking up to my beautiful wife, and even closer third, methodical coffee. Methodical coffee. Yes. It is the best. That's why I've loved using methodical coffee lately. Just drinking that stuff down. You know. <laughs> Thank you. Not only do we think it's one of the best, but they have even been voted one of the best roasters in America by Gear Patrol. People always ask me and John first what coffee we love, and then they'll go to Gear Patrol like right after that. Yeah. Methodical roasts their coffee to best express the life it lived, the place, the weather, the soil, and to honor the skilled people who cultivated it, which I think is such a cool part of this company. Yeah, I do too. Methodical roasts coffee to order so you always receive the freshest bean possible, and I love the flavor profile options. No, you you literally talk about those I'm all the time. time too much methodical offers a wide variety of flavor profiles that range from classics that are bold and chocolatey contemporary that are medium bodied and fruity and all the way to avant-garde yeah that's you heard me say that wow yeah you don't throw they, that they, phrase put, then it pushes convention john yeah. just Listen, like me visit www.methodicalcoffee.com for more information and use the discount code dadville, dadville. for 10 percent off your first order so one of the things that you know, I mentioned this, and um, I, I was I'm so excited that people get to hear this about you. One of the things that, well, first of all, I feel like we could talk about your life again. I don't know many people that have more stories than you do, and that's I mean, it is amazing to hear you talk about anything because you're always like, oh, I've been there, I know that guy, you know, whatever that thing is. Um, I got a tattoo of his face on my back, uh, but it's like, <laughs> but but uh, oh, Lord help us. <laughs> but like you know, something that has always been so fascinating about your story, and this was one of the first things that I knew about you is I remember somebody telling me some of these stories about you and your kids. And again, this being Dadville, I think it'd be a disservice not to hear you sort of speak to this because I think you have a really unique experience here, which is. You know, you you talk about whimsy, and and I know how much you love that word and how much it absolutely describes you. But I think as a parent, it's so fascinating to hear you talk about. um, I remember, and I I just want you to tell any story you have that you can think of. But I do remember one of them where, was it your kid? I don't remember which kid it was, but came home and, and they were supposed to write about a country or something. And you said, oh, we should write to the king, dictator, whatever. And would you just tell the story? I mean, this is one of the craziest stories and how it all unfolds. I mean, this is this is the part, and I just want to say this before you tell the story. This is sort of the Bob that when I was getting to know you, these were some of the things that I had been told. And I remember thinking, like, this is some of the craziest, coolest stuff I've ever heard. But I think what's great about this podcast is it's fascinating to hear you as a dad tell these stories. You know what I mean? Like, just these things that become... 
<laughs> part of like your parenting, which is just crazy to me. Like, you know, that your brain goes, we should just do that. But would you tell that? I mean, and I'm sure you have a hundred. Yeah. Would you tell that story? Well, first of all, we just decided early on we, we didn't want to have a television around because it was mm. a distraction. I'm I'm all for them. Uh, but it was just kind of a distraction to us. So um, I want people to hear from me, you know, mm. if something goes awry and it was that September 11th mm. uh, tragedy and I told the kids something really bad happened. And I said, if you had five minutes in front of a world leader or, or Pharaoh, like, what would you say? like uh, to make sense of your world. And so Adam was the first to go and he said, well, I'd ask him over for a sleepover, uh, which I think is just so awesome because you know, a sleepover, your big friends and you put their hand in a fishbowl to see if it makes them pee. And it actually does. Um, uh, Richard said, uh, you know, if I had five minutes in front of a leader, I'd ask them, what are you hoping for? Which is actually pretty insightful for a nine-year-old. Jeez. Um, because he's thinking maybe I'm hoping for the same thing. And then Lindsay was our more precocious one, and she was 11. And she said, I'd invite him over for a sleepover. And if they couldn't come over to our house for a sleepover, I'd say, could we come over to your house and pass on a message of hope from another world leader to you? Wow. And so we downloaded the CIA website, got the name of every leader, dictator, on earth we got a post office box because we didn't want Ahmadinejad to know where we live <laughs> and we sent off these letters to how many everybody. did y'all send off well there's a hundred 207 sovereign nations and we wrote to every president and prime minister so i don't know 500 so oh my and the kids gosh. wrote them all by hand uh and sent them all so um, uh, we got the uh, kids an email address because i was wow. invisible in this whole thing uh, and I remember Lindsay got an email back from somebody saying, uh, we'd like to come use our key uh, because we went around and we got 29 yeses from these leaders. No uh, so we way. pulled the kids out of school and we just went. We sold the pickup truck and just went. And uh, it was really beautiful. They didn't want to meet with us. Uh, like the prime minister from Switzerland wrote back and said, I'll meet you in Bern. The president of Israel said, I'll meet you in Israel in Jerusalem. And so we just went. Is that nuts? So it was well, a, that is unbelievable. I, I'm telling me. you. It is. No, no, but that's like there. It's because they're actually really cool. I think I learned that when I was young. Uh, my parents smoked like a chimney, and there was no such thing as secondhand smoke, evidently, back then. And so <laughs> I remember uh, it was C. Edward Coop. Remember, Coop was the mm -hmm, Surgeon General mm -hmm, ages ago. And I wrote to him when I was eight years old. And I wrote to him and I said, my dad smokes cigarettes and I'm afraid he's going to die. Will you please tell him to stop smoking? You are kidding. I wrote to the Surgeon General of the United States. Two weeks later, my dad got a letter from the Surgeon General of the United States. And he said, I got a call for a letter from your eight-year-old son. He sees you smoke. He thinks you're going to uh, die. Stop it. And my dad stopped smoking. No way. Yeah, my dad lives next door to me. He's 94. And it's because a guy made time for me. Wow. He didn't see an 8-year-old. Wow. He saw somebody who reached out, made a bold move, and he was going to match it. And so I think that's what I saw in the kids. That's why 
these people were really gracious because they thought it was. Oh, a do you have place. any stories of those meetings that were particularly of interest? Like, oh my how gosh, did those I go? Got, <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is the State Department gets wind of this. Uh, <laughs> I, I got a phone call at work. I remember getting a call. They said, "Is this Mr. Goff?" I'm like, "Yes." And I said, "They said, are you where your children have been corresponding with? Insert bad guy here." I said, "Yes." He said, are you aware that they're planning a trip there? I said, yes. They said, are you going with them? I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, and it was just one of those awkward, like, we're watching you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm kind of glad that our people do that. We're in, I mean, we've got schools in all kinds of crazy places now. And a lot of that comes from the fact that the kids reached out to people who were kind enough to say, so come. So y'all would just sit with these people, like you'd get to wherever they lived. And we were just the camera crew, but like it would be, uh, you know, uh, Bulgaria at the time had just been freed up from a communist country. The presidential palace was across the street from communist headquarters. Uh, and this guy, Angel Marin, walked in to this room. This big, there's 40 chairs on each side of this table, and the kids are sitting in their little blue blazers. And he walks in, he's got this big Russian accent, and he says, you know, I'm more nervous meeting with you right now than if I was meeting with the president of the United States. He's got an interpreter saying this, and he said, when I get nervous, I get hungry. And he claps his hands, and in through the doors come all of these like people carrying trays and trays of kid food, like banana no splits and caramel way. corn. And just like it was just this over-the-top kindness. And then at the end of each of these trips, the kids would give the key to our front door to them. They uh. said, like, this is the key. <laughs> We've had, I bet, about five or six people that have come over no. to our no. house no. with their key. And the first no. thing they do... Without saying a word, they go to the front door, they put their key in there to see it works. <laughs> and they're, they're like, it works. Like, that's what people want to know. They don't want to hear hmm. everything that you have to say and all your opinions. I don't want people to meet my opinions. I want them to meet Jesus. And they hmm. will believe what you say when they see what you do. Yeah. And they just yeah. go, the people want to know it's really true. That's why people call me. They just yeah. want to know, is it really true? And when I say hello, they're like, oh, my gosh, it's true. And so what if we were the ones that just said we, we don't need to leave it to the U.N., um, mm. but we could just actually invite people over? There's some people that are in a dispute right now, uh, and that's kind of captivating a lot. Uh, two of the people in the dispute had uh, ended up at the lodge. Um, and uh, you know, when you do a, um, like a personal story it might go for mm. five minutes, like this mm. is who I'm married to, where I live, uh, the foreign minister of one country went and speaking to his adversary went for seven hours. And then his adversary told him for seven hours, what was going on in his life. What if we did this when things started flaring up? Uh, I, these guys planted a tree together. I sent him a picture of the tree. I said, the limbs are strong and the roots are deep. Wow. I'm just giving you, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I just want you to know that the limbs are strong and the roots are deep. What if we leave, like, forget people in the news. What if we do that with one another? What if we're mm. so uh, in, 
like interested in their thing. And again, everything doesn't need to be a Bible verse, but like Paul talked about his buddy Timothy in his second, uh, it's Philippians 2.20. And it says, I don't have anybody like Timothy. He's a guy who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Mm. And just well, what if we, that was the hallmark of the people listening to say, you know, the, the thing about that person, they take a genuine interest in the people around mm. them, whether they call and say, the devil's in my bathroom, um, or they got a flat tire somewhere, or mm. they're just wondering if it's true, and they're in junior high, and they, I answer the phone, and I just hear a bunch of giggles, and then click. Like, it's just <laughs> like, there's just something. <laughs> I'm like, junior high night at youth group. So <laughs> that I just think amazing. in new and uh, different ways to just kind of mix it up and to just taking an interest in one another. I think that'd be a neat legacy. I just have to like outline and because one of the things I was going to ask you was all these just stories that you have and these great experiences and, and first and fo foremost, this outlook that you have on life. I was going to ask, you know, who was the influence on you as a kid that set you on this path? And then you tell the story of being eight years old and writing to the Surgeon General, which, you know, I have to say, like, well, that you could chalk that up to youth and and blissful ignorance and be like, well, I'll just write to the Surgeon General. Right. But the fact that he wrote back to you, yeah, that told that you. Beautiful? Oh, you can actually get a response from people like. Oh yeah, I go to pay my taxes. I'm not grumbling because I just assume there's somebody really nice that's taken doing a really good job, and I'm kind of apolitical, but I just like uh -huh. I just assume that there's a bunch of really good people, and I'm sure there's some people that aren't, uh, but you know they'll get it'll get found out it eventually, mm. and so. Um, just with a, if you interact with somebody, if you're raising your kids and if you think their goal is to, you know, make a lot of money, take them to the treasury. That's where they make all of it. Um, and just say, <laughs> meet the person, ask the person, the treasurer, like of the United States of America, like I would write to them and just say, Hey, could we swing by for five minutes? Um, and uh, the, whoever it is, uh, will probably say yes. I just assume uh, friendship. I just assume people want to meet. I'm not there yeah. to take a selfie with them. Like I just assume that they have kids and they would know this is a mom or a dad that wants to take their kid. And everybody's got a couple minutes. Um, and there's something really beautiful that happens. Uh, our relationships aren't transactions. Then it isn't this bastardization of friendship called networking. Um, right. You don't have a, a like friendship with an agenda. They're just your friends because you're. Friends, here we yeah, are yeah. on this marble. We're moving through uh, the universe at 78,000 miles an hour as we speak. Yeah. While we're spinning at 1,200 miles an hour, while we're going around the Milky Way at 450,000 miles an hour. Mm. I mean, like, no wonder if you're a parent, you're exhausted. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so since we're on this marble at the same time, which is, seems pretty miraculous, like we might as well get to know each other. And I don't mean just the big shots. I've had Jimmy the Shoeshine guy, too. Mm. Do you know we had this big law firm, and we decided in advance if we had any dispute, you know if there's like mediation and arbitration mm. rules and all that for, like imagine all these lawyers and contracts. We agreed to binding non-appealable mediation of any dispute by Jimmy the Shoeshine guy. I am not kidding. 
that Jimmy would we would sit in his chairs. He would get out his like a uh, thing, and we would each tell our side of the story. He would make a binding, non-appealable decision for a pretty major law firm. And we actually went to Jimmy, and he actually made a binding, non-appealable decision, and we stuck with it. Like, uh, that's where Jesus said, like, just find the least of the brethren. And yeah. I'm like, Jesus, like, Jimmy's the best of the brethren. He had yeah. a wisdom about him. Huh. It was unclouded. And so uh, when you say who is the most influential in my life, it was my grandmother and grandfather. Um, mm. He was a longman shoreman in San Francisco. He was a fireman who mm. worked uh, the midnight shift for 40 years Jeez, on the San Francisco Louis. Bay, and he never put out a fire. I don't even know if he knew how to. <laughs> uh, but he was just, he knew how to love me. And I, I think that they were the most influential people in my life. To your point about that, Bob, that, that, that is one of the things that I think is so fascinating about and you. And you may have just kind of answered this question, but I'm curious to ask it either way. Uh, with you and Maria and y'all's kids, it was just such a unique way of growing up, like, like what, what they saw and kind of the ways that y'all approached that. Was that something that you guys were together on? I mean, did y'all have any uh, mantras y'all really knew together? Like, hey, we really want to be in agreement about how we do this. Or was it something you were doing as it went? Or, you know what I mean? Like, because it's just so unique. Yeah, the first thing that Marie and I had to sort out, we got married and the guy that was calling on the plays there said that two will become one. And Maria thought we were going to become her. <laughs> I'm like, oh, heck no. <laughs> but so that idea that oneness doesn't mean sameness. So she mm. is clearly the wise owl in our relationship, and I am Tigger. And mm. so we have just different viewpoints. So I see so much of her in the kids and the the wisdom that she's given. She is, mm. She's got both feet on the ground. And so that compassion and all that. And then I'm... Uh, fun, fun, and I bring a little bit of that to the table. And so I think that we see some evidence of both of that. So I would encourage parents to bring your game. Don't try to, don't be the average of the two of you. Just wow. bring yeah. all of you. Just be like, uh -huh. yeah, I'm just, I'm that fun guy and learning a ton and uh, and mess up, you know. <laughs> I just mm. laughed. If mess ups were push ups. I'll be totally ripped. Um, <laughs> but I just say, like, what I want to do is to show up fully as me. And mm. then, but honoring Maria in yeah. the way that she said. So there's sometimes that we've done some stuff she thought was a pretty bad idea. And so, uh, so she'll show up, uh, mm. even though that would be the last thing she wants to do, but she doesn't want like Tigger, you know, at the helm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Tigger at the helm is just a terrifying thought. And that's coming from another Enneagram 7, by the way. Yes. And it you'd scares be laughing the whole way into disaster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the way. So, But I think part of it is having a good track record um, to say mm -hmm. it's not often that we're out of the pot and into the kettle and out of the kettle and into the fire. Yeah. That we've actually have a track record. So if I've said to the kids, uh, you know, there's a group of young men uh, assembled in this country that's having some setbacks uh would you like to go meet them with me <laughs> lindsay would be like yes she's like mary poppins with grenades she's just like <laughs> so kind and thought she wouldn't say a crossword but absolutely fearless you're literally wow. we're standing on the border of syria there's 400 young men that and she's like what 
Jeez. <laughs> so I love, like, what if you, uh, it sounds like noble and interesting, all that, to go across the ocean. But I, I challenge you, if you read the scriptures, there's only two times the ocean's mentioned. Paul got mm. shipwrecked and Jonah got it swallowed. <laughs> so what, <laughs> when a lawyer like me, uh, like, showed up and asked, what's the big commandment? He said, love God and do it next door. Like, go mm. across mm. the street, don't go across yeah. the ocean. So yeah. the other one sounds very interesting and winsome. The, the one about going to your neighbor sounds very obedient. So... It's something that I wanted to ask you that it's, it's something I think about a lot, uh, kind of like that, that notion of, you know, living every day to its fullest, right? Which on, on the face of it would be something that we all say that we try to do on our good days, you know, try to like, if you ask somebody, hey, if you knew you only had whatever, that today's your last day on earth, or you got a month left or whatever. For a lot of us, it would change. I mean, for me, it would change how I'm living currently. I am not really living like it's my last day. I'm not living every day to its fullest technically, you know what I mean? Like that, there can be kind of a recklessness that comes about if we were to really do that. And I wanted to ask you specifically about this because you are someone who you're probably the best example that I know of, of someone on this earth right now who is like, no, I think maybe Bob might be living his life this way. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. You said something earlier at the beginning of the interview where you, you mentioned that you're, you know, you were providing for your family, but at some point you realized I'm not providing what they maybe fully needed, which was just you. So, you, so maybe your thoughts on this have, have evolved over time, but what are your thoughts on just that notion of like, you live like you're dying, you live every day to its fullest. What does that look like? Uh, I, the first thought is kind of an obedience thing. I'll tell you what I mean. There's a, a mutual friend that we all have, <clears throat> and he got, he was going to get the diagnosis that nobody wants to get. It was just going to be really dire and uh, meaning that you wouldn't be long for the earth. Uh, so there's definitely a shot clock. Um, and I, I really wanted to be with him. Um, and so I was flying down to Texas where this was going to happen. And um, I was reading, it was, um, I think, James 5. It just said, like, are you sick? Uh, have the elders anoint you with oil. And I don't know your faith expression, but that is not part of my tradition. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, that's, I didn't go to that place. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, maybe we could stop by the grocery store, get some Wesson, and, you know, we could do I don't know how you do that, but I thought that's where they have it. I think, like, 30 weight would be out of the question. So <laughs> even though it's Texas. Um, but the problem is that uh, at MD Anderson, they don't have uh, grocery stores. But there was a Burger King. And uh, so I, went, I explained to the guy at Burger King how I wanted, I need some oil because my friend was really sick and I was trying to do what it said. And so he gave me a scoop of oil out of the fry machine. And I was like walking through the lobby at MD Anderson, like the this <laughs> world-class hospital. It looked like I was carrying my own urine sample. <laughs> and, uh, and I found my friend and I, uh, you know, I we prayed together and I just made a little cross on his forehead. I think he went into the MRI smelling like a bag of French fries. Um, but I think that my point in that is to just to 
show up uh, for your friends and to show up for the people that God has dropped into your life and to show up for yourself, to mm. just really be present, not miss the chance. So I'm sure that was another conversation with Maria to just say, I'm going to be gone. I'll be back tonight, but I really, really need to do this. And I know that uh, we weren't trying to uh, build consensus around it. We have this idea we're trying to build a kingdom. Mm. And so this it would be a kingdom around some obedience and some stuff that seemed unlikely. But um, And that doesn't make me the, neither the hero nor the victim in there. But I think it's participation that God has uh, you know, kind of put each of us to mm. just participate and to participate mm. across the street. And uh, sometimes we think participation means having all the answers, too. Mm, and yeah, right. most of the time, sometimes you could have this caricature, like you've got the answers. Did you know that Jesus asked 300 questions uh, during mm. the three years of his public Jeez. ministry, and he only answered three? Is that crazy? Wow. In three years, he asked the, the lawyer like me, like, what's the big commandment? And he said, love God with your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor. Uh, somebody else said, will you teach us how to pray? And he said, yes, I will. Our Father. Mm. And you know how the rest goes. And then Pilate said, so I heard you're the king of the Jews. Is that true? And he said, yes, I am. Is mm. that crazy? So uh, it's kind of freeing for me to feel like I don't need to have all the answers. Yeah. yeah. I could just maybe give three answers every three years. Um, <laughs> and just say I'm all out of, I got a couple questions, though. Yeah, um, and so f taking a genuine interest in other people, uh, sometimes people think that they're helping out by giving people information. Like right. you could go to, right. you know, uh, faith gathering, and a lot of information's coming from the front. How many boats are floating on the sea, Galilee, and what words mean in Greek and Hebrew and all that? And that literally just doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to think about like the three things, like you know, can you? teach us how to pray can we love our neighbor you know would we be uh, bold enough to think he said like yes i am and could we tap into some of that and I, and then when people ask me what's your opinion about this or your position about that or i just be like i i don't know man i just i know that's the most important thing i'm gathering for you it's just not the most important thing for me hmm. and it may be have a confidence to be flip about that but uh, your most important thing doesn't need to be my most important thing. Yeah. Uh, but what I can do is take a genuine interest in you hmm. as you're exploring your most important thing. Yeah. And that's terrific. I've, and I come as a learner, not a teacher. Man, that's wonderful. Yeah. Props to you being smart, Bob. Always well, I think what you, what you guys are in, uh, causing parents to do is to just say, like, hey, how can I show up for my kids? I mean, if... Adam wanted to make pizzas. I grow tomatoes. Like yeah. I just like, mm -hmm. tell me what it is that you're into and how do I get behind it? Mm -hmm. I'm not trying yeah. to make you better at it. I'm just trying to be with you in it. John, Dave, <laughs> God, you're so fast. Thanks for that. Listen, as parents, it's so important to be able to monitor what our children are seeing while using electronic devices. One thousand percent. You know, according to New York Times, more than twice as many kids have been exposed to pornography online as their parents realize. Yeah, that is terrifying. Yeah, that scares me. But Canopy, a new next generation digital parenting app, is here to make the internet safer for kids by ensuring that they never see graphic sexual content, even by accident. Canopy blocks explicit images and videos on every single website. 
Its advanced AI filtering technology works on smartphones, tablets, and computers. I know using this app certainly makes me feel so much better about our children's electronic use. Oh yeah. So yeah. to learn more, visit canopy.us slash dadville and use the promo code dadville at checkout to get 30 days free and 15% off forever. Unfortunately, the reality that we live in is that the internet is full of explicit content. But with Canopy, your internet doesn't have to be. You know, yeah. one of the one of the things that, I, and you just nailed this, and this is why I'm asking this. How do you, and have you in your life, navigated this tricky space? Because you're such an interesting example of this, because you do, you've just always had so many things that you're interested in. Like, I think your natural disposition is to be interested, which is a huge amazing quality i can't think of something that's probably more as a dad it's got to be beautiful one of the things that i think about all the time we had uh we had uh uh mike, mike oh yeah, yeah yeah and uh doheny yeah doheny the yeah. the, the dough um Donny, Donny. yeah Donny, yeah yeah and uh he said something that i thought was really 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 i think about this so much uh it's one of my biggest takeaways from doing this podcast but he said this said you know, when I, when I see families who have grown kids and the parents and the kids like really do love to be together, like it's not a forced thing. They just really still love coming together as a family. He said, I always ask the parents, like, tell me what you did. Like, what was the thing? Because it's such a rarity, you know, to really have families that still just really love to be together. And, and I mean, I shouldn't say rare. Maybe, maybe it is a rarity. But anyway, he said it's almost unanimous, the answer. And it's that because he says, what did you do? Like, what was the thing you did when they were kids? And they say, you know. I was just always interested. I just tried to stay interested, you know? And so I think something that I, so, so I'm saying that to say, I think you have that in droves. The thing that I'm curious about, and, and you sort of spoke to this a second ago, and I think this is a real trick with everybody is how do you navigate that thing as a parent where your kids dreams, you just spoke this, like Adam wants to do pizza, you, you plant a garden, you know, but you have these dreams too, as a parent, right? You have things you want to do. How and and maybe more than anybody I know, you've been that way. I mean, you just you just always have got something that you're like, ah, we're going to Uganda. We're building something here. We're you know we're flying to speak at it. How have you navigated that as a dad? Like you know, what I mean that you have kids that have things they want to do, and then you got things you want to do. And I think everybody can relate to this. You know, we all have these things that we sort of feel an unction toward. How do you do that? Like how how do you balance that life? Yeah, sometimes. Uh... Uh, we're all prone to think of things as binary. Yeah. It's either like zeros or ones. It's like on or off. It's either my thing or your thing. Yeah, yeah. And to just say, is there any way uh, that could be our thing without forcing it? Uh, oh, wow. But to say, is this uh, our thing? We started going to Afghanistan years ago, uh, and we've got a school in uh, Mazar al Sharif, the capital of the Taliban. And so I asked Adam, you want to come with me? Uh, and so he said, yes. And so to have a shared experience, but what if you, again, say, let's keep it right here. Let's do it across the street to say, hey, we haven't checked in on uh, our neighbor that lives across the way. What if we go over there together? Just check in. He's kind of a weird guy, but we actually haven't seen him. I haven't seen the trash come out for a week or two. So I'm like, I don't know what we're going to find. Um, so to let's just do it together. And that, that kind of uh, can, uh, to say, it's a writer's trick to say uh, you can do one me, my, or I uh, for free, and then I need 20 bucks for every time you say me, my, or I after that. It always has mm. to be we, us, or our. Wow. So that's how I try to write a book. Like one me, my, or I, I saw this, 
and then it has to be we, us, and our. Um, and so the shared experience has, has to beautiful. be a reason you're talking. Gene Cernan was the last guy to step foot on the moon. And the last thing he did, he knelt down. Tell me about a good father. He knelt down in the lunar dust, and he wrote the initials of his daughter mm. in the surface of the moon. Hers are the only initials in the surface Jeez, of the moon. So they will cool. be there 100,000 years from now. I will never tell that story in a book because I don't know Gene Cernan. Yeah. So there has to be one. In, if I ran into him, like literally rear-ended him yeah. in traffic in Denver, I could tell that story. But if I haven't, it's not our story yet. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, Eddie the Eagle Albert. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he used to be a bad, like, ski jumper, and he'd crash and burn and yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah. I'm dying to tell that story in the next book. But so I wrote him a letter uh, last week. I said, hey, can we meet? Because uh, I can't tell the story about Eddie the Eagle in my book unless I've met with him. Uh, not yeah. be, I'm not going to take a selfie. I just don't yeah. want to be a journalist. I'm not reporting the news. I want to say um, uh, in there, and it's not to drop the name. I'll just say there's a guy who was from London who was really bad at jumping on skis. And then everybody who's, <laughs> you know, over 40 knows, oh, Eddie the Eagle Albert. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and it turns out he's as bad with money as he was at ski flying because he's gone like bankrupt a couple of times. But I just want to meet um, him to learn. Um, mm. And so what if we think about that with our kids to mm. say your life and my life to say our life? Mm. Is there anything I can do? And usually it's to say, how can I be helpful and then get out of the way? Mm. So my role isn't to interject myself into their stuff is to say, is there any way I can be helpful to you? And then to get out of the way and just be dazzled wow. as they just swing for the fences. And what um, I can't say how much that resonates to me, what you said, like I. I Sadly, I'm like the most binary human being. I feel like if, if I had 100 lives to live by the 99th one, God would be like, we're getting close to separating this. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it is helpful for me to be reminded of that. And, I, and it's, you know, my kids are still young enough that so many things I invite them to do, they want to do. They hadn't gotten to that age yet. We're like, I'm not into that, you know. Um, but it's, it's, it's just a good, it is such a good thing for me to remember that these things don't have to be, you know, mine and theirs, it can be all of ours. Ours. That's such oh, a good even, word. Uh, you know, uh, do you ever do those questions around the table? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I stack the deck. Yeah. Like, so if you want to find out if your kid is sweet on somebody else, stack the deck or make it up. Like, I'm, it's not beneath me to totally lie. To say, oh, here's <laughs> the next question. It says, who's the most important person to you right now? <laughs> <laughs> that may not be what the question was on the card, but I just like yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Um, yeah. But to like have the conversations and make that normative, not make it lame. To yeah. say, oh, this is a great one. Uh, check it out. Like, so you're on a desert island. Who would you want with you? Or like, what would mm -hmm. be the, the uh, those kinds of things. Uh, and That's then to beautiful. bring people along. Like it said, and again, everything doesn't need a Bible verse, but I'm like, um, like that guy. And so uh, it's Acts 2 and 4, and it said they broke bread together, and they had things in common. Hmm. Make that yeah. what's yeah. in common, and then make your faith expression and experience if that is for you. And if it's not for you, don't force it. But like, yeah. Yeah. if it is, to just say, oh, I finished uh, this book, and uh, somebody said, oh, are you watering down the gospel again? I'm like, oh, I hope so. <laughs> like, I just want to make it for people who are thirsty. 
You know, like I would hang a salt lick at the end of every pew if I could. I want it for <laughs> if you're a thirsty, you'll hate my books. <laughs> that's a that great response. That is a great. So I, I'm curious. Last question for me. You know, you've had all these amazing trips that you have gone on with your kids. And, you know, I think that lesson of make it ours, like bring bring your children yeah. into yeah. your passions. Um, don't force them in, obviously, but all that kind of stuff. That That's something I'm walking away with. I'm, I'm thinking of the listeners that we have who, you know, maybe have that more typical day-to-day life where they're 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 gone in the morning they're at work they're working hard they're coming home and they've got dinner time with the kids and then they all go to bed what is what would be something that you would tell those parents in that 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 little time that they have with their kids what would the advice you you would give to them as parents yeah don't come empty-handed uh if Mm. i came over to either of your house uh i would have you know, a cheesecake or a muffin or so I wouldn't come empty handed. And mm-hmm. so uh, I remember just yesterday when the kids were together, I said, oh, you guys, check this out. Anacondas. They're three feet around. They're 25 feet long. And if you get wrapped around an anaconda's gotcha, you got about a minute to live. Like, do you know what anacondas are susceptible to? You couldn't like bite it and have it let go. It just because it wouldn't even notice that you'd bit it. What they're susceptible to is alcohol. Is that crazy? The problem is if you do have an anaconda that wraps around you, you probably don't have a bottle of Maker's Mark on you. And so, <laughs> but but it's good to know what it's susceptible to. And I was thinking about what is fear susceptible to, and it's susceptible to truth and obedience. And so Mm. if you're feeling like you're really like, I can't breathe, I've got this like thing. And what I was thinking of is I'm going to put a big dollop of truth on that. I'm just going to say that may be the story I've been telling myself, but that may not be the truth of the matter. Mm. Um, Mm. And then obedience to say, what do I need to do? So I would just say it said Matthew 15, it said Jesus never spoke to anybody without telling them a story. I just come with loaded with a big dollop of curiosity. Uh, and if that makes you go like, dude, guess this about anacondas. Check it out. Wikipedia wouldn't lie. Like, so to just say <laughs> what, come with something when you sit down to the table. Yeah. Don't come ha- empty handed. Just say one thing. This is something I learned today. Mm. Tell, uh, try that tonight, both of you guys around the dinner table. Say, did you know this about anacondas? I was going to say, like, you said it's about anacondas. anacondas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. But, and not to freak everybody out, but... They just say, come with one. Uh, you can go penguin magic at dot or uh, for you Baptist illusion. Like you, you can go to, uh, you can go there, download a magic trick, an illusion. Um, sure. You go download one of those and blow your kids away. Make a salt shaker disappear. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I used to come home from dinner when I would fly home from Seattle. I'd learn one magic trick every day and I would totally stink at it. But the kids would be like, they would delight in seeing me screw it up. Like it would yeah. be better yeah. than if I had done it right. Yeah. Uh, right. And it's going to cost you five minutes. It didn't give, even mm-hmm. cost you a nickel. Five minutes. And I'm telling you, it will change the memory that your kids have about what it was like to grow up in your household. And you don't need That's to great. be this uber creative person. Say, I picked up this stick on the way home, and here's why. 
Hmm. It looks like a miniature slingshot. I've got a friend in Nashville that we send each other text messages. It's just, it's a, a capital Y. And it means a slingshot. If we go places, if we see something that looks like a slingshot, we'll take a picture of it. Just like, it's just a nice way of saying hi, like a high mm -hmm. five. But it was like kind of unique. It's like having your own language. It's having mm -hmm. your own. It's like just saying, yeah, we're friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking yeah. about you, like good on you. Yeah. And I, I think the more that we do with that, we create these layers upon layers. If you've seen great art, it's because it has 10 layers of glazing on it. it wasn't just a stick picture. There was a picture that was painted and then glazing after glazing after glazing. It gives us this depth. I feel like you could reach your arm right into it. And think of each of these creative things you do together. It doesn't need to be the big elaborate things. When you go to pay your taxes, if you do, um, go on April 15th, go to the post office and stop for ice cream. Tell them about this celebration, this celebration of jubilee the first fruits that what we do mm. is we celebrate that mom or dad have a job uh, mm. and because we have a job we get to pay you know the garbage man that comes this helps pay him you know art the mailman who delivers the mail to all the wrong people like <laughs> he's not a detail guy <laughs> like just this helps pay for art to not be our mailman someday and like so that like to explain that and if you ask our kids about taxes they think about scoops of ice cream mm, uh, i yeah. think about scoops of ice cream like i just go like they, instead of grumble 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 i hope they don't buy a tank like right. i just think of like no 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 this is for art the lousy mailman uh, but he's a heck of a nice guy. I would watch that cartoon a hundred percent. Yeah, like, so Art I the think lousy that's that. mailman. I'm in. Yeah, you know Art. Uh, he was such a bad mailman that we made him the grand marshal of our parade we have on the block. Every time we we got a convertible Volkswagen, we put a thousand envelopes in there. We said, just Art, just throw them. Do what you do no, every day. No, just throw them no. everywhere. <laughs> Eight hundred people showed up to tell Art in our front yard how much he meant to them. And the next day, Art was so moved by this outpouring of love and appreciation towards him. He called me up. He said, Bob, I'm coming out of retirement. I'm like, no! No, 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 no. <laughs> and he did. He was our mailman for four more long years. Oh but because God. of that, all of our neighbors got to know each other. We would meet at yeah. 5 o'clock oh, yeah, and just yeah. sort out <laughs> sort all the mail. mail. Yeah. I, I'm See, certain he, this he mail is a bigger plan. He had a bigger yeah. plan. <laughs> but that's where if you can make it happen, don't make it happen to the ends of the earth if yeah. you're not going to make yeah. it happen at the end of your street. Man. And so I think that just kind of bringing it back to just say the reality is what's happening around your kitchen table. Think about this is the groove you're carving for your great grandkids, mm. because it'll be mm. normative to sit around. Your kids are going to do what you did around the table together. Yeah. And yeah. so lose, you know, these iPhones, these apples yeah. are getting you into trouble again. Yeah. Um, and to say <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to create some beautiful traditions, mm. you know, have like good manners night and have people stand up when they pull out the chair for one another, serve on the left, pick up on the right. Like just those kinds of good manners followed by bad manners night. And to just get sloppy joes and have it end up in a devolve to a food fight. And, like, just have fun with it. But you know what good manners look like and you know what bad manners look like.
Mm, that's beautiful. So, so let me first say thank you for being with us. We, we, oh, what a treat, a joy. So great. We have two questions we always ask at the end. Um, okay, I'll ask the first one. Um, if a train leaves Baltimore, no, that's not it. Um, yeah. what I is knew a man from Saint of Pies <laughs> who had seven wives? Each wife had seven cats. There you go. Cat yeah. had yeah. seven kids. My dad always, who hates math, like his favorite Far Side comic was the one where the guy's sitting at talking to saint peter outside of heaven and he says one last thing before i let you in if a plane leaves washington dc dot 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 so so here's uh, uh i'll ask you the first one what is the one thing you want your kids to know yeah i want them to know acceptance hmm. uh, just this idea of acceptance uh so that they can in turn then uh, receive that that we aren't some of us grew up in, uh, and again, not making us the victims, but we grew in it something that was like the opposite of the voice, that mm. people would turn their chair towards you if you did the right things, mm. and they would actually turn their chair away from you if you didn't. And so then that sends the message that love is a weapon that can be given and withdrawn mm. uh, just as quickly, and it's based on your performance. Mm. And so I just want to say, man, God's chair is towards you. My mm. chair is towards you. I will never turn it away from you. Nah, you beautiful. can mess it up. You can try not to cuss, but you can just really bollocks that thing up. And my chair is turned towards you. Yeah, that's mm. beautiful. That's beautiful. What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? He was a good cow. Like, I just want them to say, <laughs> <laughs> like our very brief uh, a funeral for my cow that passed this week. I just thought that captured all the important parts. Yeah. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I would just like that, that there would be uh, like a lot of uh, like, there would be a lot of confusion and sadness and all that. Mm. I'll tell you something that just trust me, my kids won't tune into this, but from before the time there were iPhones, I've been making little videos for my kids. Mm. Um, I will tell them, oh, this makes me cry, but I will uh, tell my kids. I'll say, Lindsay, uh, you are a woman of virtue, and here's why. Remember mm. the time that we were having, and there's no sad introductory video. There's no, like, if you're seeing this, I'm, like, dead yeah. and yeah. all that. Um, but I've been doing that for uh, decades now. And on the, my passing, there's just going to be a lot of confusion and sadness, no doubt. And uh, and then my friends are going to start carpet bombing my kids with videos from their dad. Jeez mm. Louise. That just is the, the creativity and the intentionality behind the way you walk through life is really inspiring. So that, again, for everybody that has a phone, man, just flip it on. And just say, get a Yahoo account. Don't tell your kids it's there. Uh, yeah. And then just load it up. God, that's, that's such a great idea. You are a good cow, Bob. You're a really great You're cow. You're a good cow. <laughs> He's a good cow. <laughs> I've never had someone pull the beginning of our interview into the very last question. That's like a that was like pro the move proest there. of pro moves. There, and Bob. we have our title for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <it's> done. <laughs> He's a good cow. <laughs> Oh Bob, Bob, I do want to say, uh, back, coming back to your love of cheesecake, if there is one thing that I can make, thanks to my mom, Tammy McLaughlin, is it a is a hell of a cheesecake. Yes. Really? So yes. You just when got I, either gift. I'm in San Diego or you're in Nashville, oh, I'm going to make you some on. cheesecake. 
Or you can knock off a liquor store and I'll meet you at San Quentin. Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Either way, let's pound some. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs>